0: This is Session 5 on 2 Thessalonians 2, 13-17, and our focus will be, So
1: then, which is like saying, Therefore, because of what's gone before, brothers, stand firm
0: and hold to the traditions. And we're going to spend a whole session, maybe next time, on the meaning of traditions in the Apostle Paul. There are good traditions and bad traditions that you were taught either by our spoken word or by our letter. Father, as we devote this session to standing firm in view of what's gone before, show us what it is to hold fast and to stand rather than to fall and how it's rooted in these glorious realities and thus produce this in us, I pray. We don't want to be fragile people. We want to be people who are like anchors, who are strong, stable, immovable, not blown over by every wind of doctrine or affliction. So, work this in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, focus here for a moment.
1: So then, pretty strong double inference in view of what? In view of The
0: fact that you are loved, in view of the fact that you are chosen, in view of the fact that it's all destined for your salvation from God's wrath and from hell and from guilt and from sickness and from everything that this fallen world is going to ruin in you. You're going to be saved from it. It's all going to happen through sanctification and holiness. It's going to be through faith in the truth. It's going to be owing to a sovereign call in your life that comes to you through the gospel, and it's going to result in your possessing the glory of the Lord. That's about seven magnificent,
1: glorious realities. In other words, he's saying,
0: brothers, know who you are. Know where you've come from. Know your destiny, know your joy. This is what Christians need to hear over and over again. The glorious reality of sovereign love, the glorious reality of election, the glorious reality of final salvation and present salvation, the glorious reality of being called to holiness and faith, the sovereign call of God on our lives, the destiny of glory. We just don't have these in our minds enough. So Paul says, get them in your mind, and now, with all of that in your mind, so then,
1: stand. Stand. Now that's a command, right? Command. Imperative. Stand firm. And he unpacks it right here. You stand by
0: holding on to the ropes of tradition, which we'll study next time. Truth. I have passed along truth to you. If you let go of the rope of truth, you're going to fall and not stand.
1: So hold. And then in verse um,
0: 17, you've got this word. Let's read it. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them. You hear the link? Establish them in every good work and work. This is not just standing inert, right? Standing with your arms folded in the wind, saying, oh, I'm strong, the wind hasn't blown me over. No, you are doing good work, and you're opening your mouth with the gospel, and you're stood. By the Lord for that. But notice what it is. This is not a command. What is it? Who loved us, now may the Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father do this. This is a prayer, it's a wish directed to God, right? Oh, God, Jesus, Father, establish them, establish them, make this happen. Let that sink in. Here comes a command. Followed by a prayer that God would do it. And then jump, what, three verses later? 3-3. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you. Same word. Establish you and guard you. You
1: will stand. So now we don't have a prayer. We have a, a promise.
0: You will stand. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Steadfastness, establish, stand. This is the model. So I'm I'm drawing out four things about stand. One,
1: here, it's a command. Two, here,
0: it's a prayer. Three, here, it's a promise. And four, here, it's a model or an example from Jesus, or maybe you could say a foundation. Oh, how important that is. Oh, how important this is ethically and theologically, because so many people think that if we're given a command, that somehow, oh, I guess I got to do this now, and uh, God's going to watch and see whether I do it. No. You remember how Augustine prayed, command what you will and give what you command. That's exactly the way Paul thinks. He's commanding them to stand. He's praying that they will stand, and he's promising they will stand, which means that the way we go about obeying this is by faith in the truth of this prayer and this promise. You don't do it on your own. You don't do it with your fingers crossed, as if, oh, it's all up to me now. I sure hope I can stand. Nobody's going to stand if God doesn't cause us to stand. So we look to the steadfastness of Christ. We hear the promise of his enabling and his help. We pray with him that God will do it, and then we do it. So what is it? <laughs> what is stand what's the opposite of stand sometimes we clarify positive things by asking about their negative counterpart well the opposite of stand is what fall <laughs> right stumble and fall flat that's what a soldier must not do you can't fall if you're in a phalanx pressing into the enemy if you fall you ruin everybody you can't fight on your back And I'm talking metaphorically now because I know that a paraplegic Christian flat on his or her back in the hospital can be the strongest stander in the world, right? We all know that I'm talking metaphorically here. That is, your heart can be standing like an iron rod against evil and against affliction and against deception while you yourself are a weak, sick person lying In bed with a disease or a paralysis. So we're called to stand, that is, not fall in in what way? Well, two ways, at least in this letter. The first is fall to deception. And we've been through that, right, in chapter two. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be shaken in mind. You're about to fall if that happens. You're starting to totter and waver and alarm to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you. That's the fall right there. You fall by being deceived. The coming of the lawless one will be with wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth, hold fast the traditions and love them, and so be saved. They did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, and there they went flat on their backs because of their love affair with unrighteousness, and they were deceived into falling. That's one kind of falling. Here's the other one from chapter 1. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness, your standing firm, and faith in all your persecutions in the afflictions that you are enduring. So, the other way that you fall is not by deception, but by affliction or persecution. So, the what here is don't fall into unbelief through deception. Don't fall into unbelief through affliction, but rather stand by holding fast to this promise He will establish you and then praying with Paul, oh, may our Lord Jesus Christ establish us, and then looking to this beautiful model of the steadfastness of Christ all the way through crucifixion, unimaginable, and then hearing the imperative with all this reality under us and standing. Oh, God. May you raise up millions of Christians like
1: that.